Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of our Company Watch Coronavirus podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. We're recording today's episode on Friday, the 29th of May. Now, I fear that any coverage of the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Bill might um, have been rather overshadowed by the Dominic Cullings controversy. So for anybody who missed last week's episode and would like to know about what's being proposed, then I suggest a listen to last week's episode. This week, we're going to take a look at retail and hospitality sectors. And again, for those of you who might have missed the latest developments, Outdoor markets and car showrooms are able to open in England from the 1st of June, and then non-essential retailers are able to open from the 15th of June. There's still no definitive date for hospitality. 4th of July is hoped for, um, but there hasn't been a final uh, pronouncement on that. And for now, a number of chain restaurants have started to open for takeaway and delivery. And there have been plenty of ingenious attempts at trying to make restaurants COVID COVID secure in um, today's jargon for when they might be able to return to the eat-in business. But I think on the whole, the consensus is that while this two-metre social distancing rule remains in place, most hospitality establishments, it just wouldn't make sense to um, to open. The the returns just wouldn't, wouldn't be there. Now, uh, Nick and I discussed retail and hospitality in a series of webinars last autumn, and the outlook was fairly gloomy, I would say, then, at least on the bricks and mortar side of of retail. Um, And neither of us could have imagined the devastation that COVID-19 has caused. So I'm afraid this podcast isn't going to make for happy listening, but I do think it's important for those of you who are supplying into this um, this sector and uh, these sectors, um, it's important to know what the, the prognosis is. Now, Nick's credentials in this area are pretty impressive. He was invited to contribute to two reviews of the High Street chaired by retail guru Bill Grimsey in 2013 and 2018. And Nick, I think we're allowed to say, aren't we, that you've been recommissioned for an emergency review, which you're planning to publish on the 15th of of June. So, of course, we'll we'll give more details about that when it's it's available. And, And this has obviously been a particular area of interest for you for a number of years. So, I mean, there's a lot to cover here. So I wonder whether you could set out those key issues for, for suppliers that we were concerned about in the autumn and, and how those have been changed and turned upside down by, by COVID. Okay, Joe. thanks. <clears throat> thanks for the introduction. Uh, I mean, just to set the scene, I, I mean, no business sectors could possibly have foreseen the commercial catastrophe that COVID-19 um, has, has caused. And, and the other thing that they cannot have imagined was the extraordinary speed with which it, it struck. You know, one minute business was functioning, uh, the next whole swathes of the economy were shut down by the government. And sadly, it's difficult to imagine any other industries in the UK which came into the crisis less well prepared and with more fundamental challenges than retail and hospitality. Let me, let me take them separately and then come back and summarise at the end of all, all of this. Let's do retail first. Very important sector, contributes 5% of of our GDP. There are, roughly speaking, 300,000 retail outlets, 200,000 VAT-registered traders. They employ 2.9 million people, almost 9% of the UK workforce. And um, what what we did, Joe, for the review that we, uh, the, the webinar we did at the back end of last year, was we looked at the finances of, there are 86,000 
roughly, companies, registered companies' house claiming to be retailers. And at first blush, everything looks fine. They have total assets of 194 billion, not heavily borrowed, only 40 billion, and a combined net worth um, across the sector of 77 billion. So it looks fine. Yeah. But when you drill down and you start to look and you use the company watch system and you look at the H scores of these uh, companies across the whole retail sector, the average H score was only 36 out of 100. That's low. I mean, again, it's worth pointing out that it should be around 50-ish, you would, because it's 50, 45 to to 50. Um, And almost half of all those retail businesses, so some 42,000 retailers, were in the warning area with an H score of 25 or below. And that's already... That's way, off, last way off the, the chart. We had a lot of companies, what I, what I perennially get my leg pulled about calling zombies. These are companies with negative balance sheets. And uh, there were 16,000 of those in the sample. Mm. So that's 18%. And between them, they had balance sheet deficits of £2.2 billion. Pounds. So it's a heck of a mess in financial terms. But then it gets much worse because if you break it down and you segment the sector and look at the bigger, the medium and the smaller companies, you get a much clearer picture of where the risk in the sector lies. If you look at the big companies with assets of over 100K, they had a far better but still way below par um, average H score of 45 out of 100. But even so, 34% of them were in the warning area. So 13,000 big retailers in the warning area. Mm. Look at the medium-sized ones next. These are companies with assets below 100K, but more than 25K. Average H score now is only 31. And 53% of them, 15,000 of these medium-sized retailers were in the warning area. And then if you look at the smallest ones of all, you know, the independents, if you like, assets of 25K or less, average age score, 27. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Out of I mean, is... And 67% of them are in the warning area. So, so there's that the is... Risk. There's a risk. That is the... the... There, 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 there is a risk. Um, mm. Whether you like it or not, these are, uh, these, these are companies that aren't under... Before any of this, before they were shut down for two months and before they faced an uncertain future and before they had uh, to revamp their entire uh, operation for social distancing, they were already at, at, at high, high risk. And, uh, I mean, ironically, up until now, insolvency has not been a huge thing in the retail sector. About 7.4% of all UK insolvencies are in the retail sector. Um, there was a slight uptick um, in 2018 and then in 2019. But again, what we haven't factored into any of these numbers because of the lag of company accounts filing at company's house is Christmas 2019 is not in these numbers and it was not good for everybody. It it went very well for some, but not for an awful lot of them. So, and and it's not just... um, it's not just the creditors, suppliers, stakeholders that are affected here. You know, there are retail landlords that are affected. There are jobs. You know, in 2018 and 2019, there were 43 major collapses in each of those two years. 
And 2020 hasn't started well. We've had uh, 21 up to the end of April. But we're talking about um, early part of you know, four months of 2020 before this really began to impact. 21 major failures, 34,000 jobs affected, and over 1,100 stores affected. And that's before COVID. That is that makes you um, makes you think, doesn't it? I mean, that that is that is pretty shocking. Yeah, um, abs- abs- absolutely right. And and it's interesting. There were some figures. Um, there was a, an article in the FT this week um, where the retail um, gurus at KPMG um, ha- are actually gone on the record as saying that they expect high street retail space to shrink by twenty five percent by twenty twenty five. Gosh. That's what they thought originally, but not now. Now they're saying it'll happen by 2022. Wow, so we're really seeing that exacerbation of the, you know, we've talked about this a lot, haven't we? Bricks yeah. and mortar versus the online, um, the online retailers. And yeah, so and again, it's, it's interesting, interesting, Joe, that um, they are predicting that, that online um, sales in retail will hit 50% 10 years earlier than it would otherwise have done. As a result of just of this, these two months? Yes, because of changing habits. So that's the picture on retail, which is not pretty. And, and and, and, I mean, I, I suppose what it is worth saying, isn't it, that there is there have been some government attempts to try and soften the blow. So we've got the, you know, we've talked about that extensively on this um, podcast, that landlords are not being able to enforce um, rent collections, for example, but those are deferred. They're not, they haven't been wiped, wiped off. Though that is still money that right. is owed um, and that will need to be paid at some point. And of course, there's a business um, rates holiday for, for 12 yeah. months. And given that that has been a, a source of, of a loss of upset amongst um, bricks and mortar retailers, that will have yeah. helped matters slightly. But but really, that's, that's, that's sounding like it's a drop in the ocean compared to the, the habits that have, have changed now. And, and we're not expecting the, the experience, the shopping experience to be something that will drag people back in. And we've talked about that before, that the, the reason that people tend to go to, on, to high street retailers is because they want to go and have a... An experience, you know, think of the Apple Store and even the right. stores. Yeah, and, and of course, what, what we don't know yet, and, and you know, if, if we're still talking about this in a couple of months' time, which I feel we may, may well be, mm. um, we'll see what the pickup of um, retail activity, you know, physical in-store retailing is as we come out of this. It's interesting, early statistics suggest that um, footfall and retail activity in Germany and they've been back open the shops about three weeks now, is still only up to about 60% of previous activity level. And again, I'm not sure whether that is um, a strict comparison back to the same time last year or whether it's to um, before, just before the virus struck, because that would have been a low point anyway. Yeah, but yeah. in America, it's different. The um, footfall in the, in the shopping malls is already back up to 80%. Oh, that's so okay. we don't know. We don't know. So that's that's retail. Hospitality. Now, again, let's look at the size of this. It's again five percent of GDP. It employs slightly more people, three point two million, about ten percent of the workforce. Total assets, forty one billion. Again, not heavily borrowed, fourteen billion, and a combined net worth of about thirteen billion. So again, on the on the general macro picture, it looks fine. Mm-hmm. Challenge, but fine. But if you thought retail was fragile, boy, when you look at the numbers for hospitality, 
Um, and, 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 and these businesses play such a key role in, in feelings of place and, you know, in town centres and, and high streets, you know, the pubs and the restaurants and the cafes and all the rest of it. Again, let's go back to what we looked at in the autumn, the statistics, the, the, the financial health of these companies. Between the two sectors, restaurants, the two subsectors we looked at, restaurants and pubs and clubs, average age score for the whole sector, 28 out of, uh, out of 100. Restaurants were 27, pubs and uh, clubs were 30. 60% of restaurants were in the warning area. 58% of pubs and clubs were in the warning area. So 59% of all hospitality businesses across the two, the two parts um, were uh, at risk in the warning area. 27%, 13,000 companies are zombies with, again, another combined deficit of £2 billion. And all before, these are all figures from before, way before this crisis, really, know. Know, with that lag at the company's house data. data and and, and well. despite, the, you know, I know that hospitality has takeaway and deliveries and home deliveries, but that's not quite like online in the retail sector, yeah. uh, you know, with all, with all due respect. And again, it's a, you've got to look at this. This is a sector where insolvency does happen more frequent, mm-hmm. uh, frequently. 11% of uh, UK failures are in um, the hospitality sector. Um, that's by comparison with 7% in, in retail. Yeah. So it is a, and in fact, only the construction sector has a bigger failure rate relative to its contribution to the economy. Oh, really? Is that right? In construction, obviously, we, we all know. Construction is 19, 19% yeah. against 6% of the economy. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a wor- it's a really worrying area, the whole thing. And, and I think when you look at, look at this, this, you know, the financial insecurity of these two sectors, they employ 6.1 million people between them. My guess is that over half of those are furloughed. So at the moment, the furlough stats that we had for the latest um, period were about 8 million people on yeah. furlough, we think. so, And it's not unreasonable. I think you're right. It's not unreasonable to imagine that, that a lot of those will be in the, the retail and hospitality sectors because those are the businesses that have been forced to to shut, you yes. know, where lots of people are able in other sectors to work um, yep. at home or start to be able to go back into those um, workplaces, as we've seen over the last few weeks, has actually mandated that, that those businesses cannot open. And, and of course, the real worry is, um, you know, just where exactly do we go from here with those those people? It's all very well to talk about the numbers, but, you know, there are real lives. Mm. Because the worry is that these are predominantly young people and, unfortunately, predominantly female yeah, so there's a real um, uh, there's a real worry about the outcome socially of all of this, um, of this, and and because do bear in mind that because young people uh, t- uh, are employed in large numbers in town centres and, and and high streets, there's a sort of vicious downward spiral in all of this because if they're not working, they're not spending. Mm-hmm. And so it goes on down, and so you then need fewer shops and fewer staff. And so, I mean, that's that's something the government has to sort out. It has to find a way of doing something positive with with all of those um, those people, because you know they. It's not just that you know my comment about 
they're furloughed, but in reality, they're unemployed, but just don't know it. They're, they're more than unemployed in terms of the industry in which they were when they when this all started. They're unemployable because there aren't jobs. And that's the issue, isn't it? It's needing mm. to find a replacement sector almost. Yes. Um, that yes. Kind of absorbs these, um, these people with, uh, I guess, relatively low skill or low transferable amounts of, of skill to be able to, um, to yeah. put into another sector. And it's not obvious where those jobs might be, um, might be created. Yeah. But, but the message in all of this, I think, is huge risk. I mean, goodness me, we highlighted the risk, you know, based on the numbers we saw in the, in the late autumn of, of, of last year. Uh, it was then a, a pretty wonky Christmas for both sectors. Not good at all. Now we have the, uh, the virus. So uh, it, it just, it really emphasises the need to look at risk on an individual company by company uh, basis. And again, if I have a background concern about uh, this is, is the worry that this makes um, suppliers and the credit industry uh, not overly but uh, rightly cautious about it and if the credit is restricted into the sector so it feeds further into distress. Yeah and, that, and that's true I mean we talked about all, all along the, the importance of confidence and trying to keep credit flowing where there is a viable business um yes. to, to actually to, to support um and you know i think i suppose if i draw a few conclusions about what you said and thank you very much for for that um that overview and, and filling with stats i think is a really is a really useful way of anchoring the, the the problems that we're talking about here and and i think you know we've always said that this was a sector that was was very ill and i think now it really is on um on life support but I think one of our favourite sayings in this podcast is that the devil is in the detail, isn't it? And I think there, there will be opportunities out there. Um, individual companies that have had some pre-COVID um, balance sheet strength and are able to adapt, I think, crucially, their models um, and what that looks like in a post-lockdown world. Mm-hmm. There is room to, to thrive. I think, you know, yes. we, we all know that, that, that people are eager to 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 break free of the the kind of home prison that they've been in um and we what the world would look like we don't know but i think there is some opportunity there but it's about looking at those companies that are well placed and were well placed before um the outbreak to to be able to capitalize on on that and come out with some some strength so i think we expect to see casualties over the the coming weeks um, and months as the realities of of what operating in in the new restrictions look like um but but we think there there could be some some success stories hopefully within the within the gloom okay well thank you so much um nick and we'll obviously look forward to the um the new grimsey review when it when it comes out um we've put some links to that on our on our website and i'm sure we'll we'll talk about that again but thank you so much for sharing your your expertise with us again that brings us to the end of the podcast for this week as always thanks very much to everybody for listening and we'll be back next week thank you bye-bye